Luke 23, hey, this is, other than marriage, this is the longest commitment I've ever made in my life. We've made it through 23 chapters of Luke at this point, um, 23 weeks consecutively uh, teaching through the Gospel of Luke. We have this week and next week, and we will be complete in the Gospel of Luke as we um, have gone through this. So this morning, fool, the word we're going to start out with this morning is foolish, foolish. Okay, let me give you a definition real quick. Uh, foolish, according to the, uh, the word used in the scriptures, the definition is this, lacking perspective uh, because of short-sightedness. Okay? Uh, I have a short sight. I can't see everything. I lack perspective, lacking the overall picture needed to act wisely. Okay? So therefore, um, sometimes we think of foolish as a condition, like they're an idiot. Uh, but what's the cause of foolishness? I lack the big picture, so therefore I do things that might be considered foolish. Okay? Uh, it's not always a carelessness. Sometimes it's a lack of knowledge or understanding that causes foolish activity. Um, describe someone lacking moderation because they fail to grasp. This is good for me. They fail to grasp the cause and effect relationship. Okay? I do something that Chad says, man, you're an idiot. That was foolish. Well, I failed to grasp what would happen if I did that. That's why I did something foolish. It's because you don't, you don't really understand the cause and effect relationship. Let me give you an example here. My bathroom sink currently does not drain. Okay? Like even this last night I was shaving and the water fills up. And then after about 10 minutes it goes down and it's full of hairs, right? Uh, this morning, I was brushing my teeth, it fills up, and after about five minutes, it goes down. Uh, why does my bathroom sink not drain? Uh, because someone failed to grasp the cause and effect of putting peanuts in my sink drain. They didn't understand that if I put peanuts in the drain, that's foolish. Because the peanuts... Make it not drain, Derek. That's cause and effect. You put peanuts in the drain, and the drain doesn't work. Um, sadly, this is where we're going this morning. Sadly, this is not limited to seven-year-olds. Okay, uh, There's a lot of folks out there, be it bosses, spouses, neighbors, governing authorities, and so on and so on and so on. There's a lot of fools in our world. Right? There's a lot of foolishness. There's a lot of folks out there, and it's not just seven-year-olds with peanuts in your bathroom. Uh, so here, here's what I want to get from you this morning as we kick this off. Describe for me how it feels, how it feels and what you wish to do when you encounter such foolishness. So we want to tap into our feelings this morning. So we, want to, we want to feel. What does it feel like? And... And be honest with me, we don't accept church answers around here. What do you really want to do when you encounter such foolishness? Give me some. What I'm thinking in my mind at that point. Squeeze, excuse me? <laughs> what did you say? Tell them what I think about You want to tell them. <laughs> tell them dot, 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 right? <laughs> We're not going to go into the details of what Chad was thinking at that moment, but he wants to let them know. 
I'm going to correct that foolishness with words of wisdom. We'll just call it that. That sounds better than what you were thinking. <laughs> what else? How's it feel? And what is it you really want to do when you encounter such foolishness? Tanya said smack them. Smack them. At least there's one honest person. Smack them. And I'm going to do smack. The apostrophe goes after it, doesn't it? I want to hit them upside the head and knock some sense into them, right? Anything else? How's it feel? What do you want to do when you encounter it? Telling them but yelling at I want to tell them loudly. <laughs> right? You want to make you want to make sure they hear because apparently they're hard of hearing or they wouldn't have done something so foolish, right? So there's a feeling that comes over you and there's things that you want to do when you encounter this type of foolishness. I got good news for you today. I got really good news. Really good. I was thinking about something else. Sorry. My brain goes... 2 Peter, or 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15 says this, it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people. Dang, that's good news for you this morning. Because all those feelings that come up and, and, and when you encounter the foolishness of other people, uh, the good news is that it's God's will that you would silence the foolishness or the ignorance of foolish people. So the first thing that, that makes me think is, man, we got a lot of work to do. Because there's a lot of idiots in our world, right? <laughs> so we got a lot of work. If it's God's will, God, God wants what you want. He wants you to silence the ignorance of the foolish. But, but, like surely you knew when I told you the first thing. Surely you knew that I was going to stick my butt into this conversation. Chad, before you run out and show your butt, I want to I want to clarify something. We should consider that even though God's will and your will may be the same, God's method and your method may not be. Okay, it is God's will that you would silence the ignorance of the foolish. Yes, that's a license to go out and tell them, smack them, and yell at them. Woo! I'm doing the work of the Lord. Hold up. <laughs> but God's method and your method, even though it's his will and your will, may not be one and the same. Because it is, let me read the rest of that. It is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. That's the rest of the verse, right? By doing good. What's his method? By doing good. By smacking them, telling them, yelling at them. No, no. By doing good. Okay? First uh, Peter is directed towards a people group whose lives were being directly affected by others who lacked like big picture perspective. Like so, Peter's writing to a group of people. They're they're suffering. They're struggling, and it's not their own fault. It's the foolishness, the lack of perspective that other people don't have. And and when that people group, when Rome and and all these others uh, lacked the big picture perspective, it is. Um, it is directly and negatively impacting the lives of this people. 
Okay? So, um, the cause and effect of other people's foolishness negatively impacted their daily life. And, and Peter goes through a whole list of... Uh, uh, a whole list of people groups that this is happening with. He says whether it's a slave and a master, uh, whether it's citizens and rulers, or whether it's husbands and wives. Those are the three different categories that he speaks to in his letter concerning the foolishness of people groups. Maybe your husband's a fool, right? You're married to an idiot, and that's negatively impacting your daily life. Maybe you work for a fool. Your boss is just ignorant, and you're a servant underneath his ignorance, right? Or maybe you live in a place where uh, the governing authorities are acting in complete ignorance, and it's negatively impacting your life. That's the, that's the gist of First Peter, and we're going to get to Luke 23. It's all tied together. It's all tied together, but that's what he's talking to. Um, so let me back out of that. Let me Tell on myself for a second. Because um, funny thing is, when we talk about idiots, it's always other people. You don't ever look in the mirror and say, man, I'm an idiot. Uh, but that's, that's what happens. So I've always had a gift of pointing out when someone else was being an idiot. I've had that spiritual gift. Maybe it's not a spiritual gift, but it's a gift. My mother-in-law says, yeah, you, you nail it. Um, but I've always had the gift of pointing out other people's being an idiot. Especially, especially, and I think if you're honest, you're going to be one and the same with me. I'm really good at pointing out when someone else is being an idiot, especially when there's a chance that their stupidity could reflect poorly on me. Right? Derek, you're being an idiot. Usually, I don't care if you're being foolish, but when your foolishness is going to reflect poorly on me, you better believe I'm going to point that out. I'm going to tell them, smack them, yell at them, right? That's what comes over me when your foolishness reflects poorly on me. Um, before I became my own boss, which you, you're never really your own boss. You just work for your customers at that point. Uh, but I was always a pretty decent employee until I learned a little bit. Like when I'm... When I'm the green one on the job, when I'm the new one on the job, I'm like a really good worker. Like when I know my place and I know I don't know anything, I'm pretty good. But when I learn a little bit, I become an expert on my boss's shortcomings. Like that's the first thing that happens with me. It's like, dang, I've been doing this six months now. My boss is an idiot. Like it didn't take me long to learn enough to know that he's not very good at what he does. And I become an expert on where he is flawed. And my mother-in-law is going to jump back in on this one. I'll admit that I can be that way towards my wife as well. I can be that way towards Shelly as well. Like, uh, I have this dry sarcasm that comes naturally to me when I'm trying to elevate myself in a relationship with another person. Like, I don't do that by by speaking directly and yelling at you, I do it through dry sarcasm that just kind of cuts your legs out so that I can be left standing. It's really subtle. And my daughter is... you got to watch it, Micah. You've got it. You've got it. Um, but the heart of the issue is not that someone else is a fool. 
The heart of the issue is that we don't want their foolishness to negatively impact my life. That's the heart of the issue. Like People can be idiots all day long, and I don't care if it doesn't impact my life. But when somebody else's foolishness impacts my life, then I care. So if we can call them out, we can silence their foolishness and maintain our public approval ratings, right? Like if, if what you're doing is negatively impacting on me, I'm going to go out into the streets and call out your stupidity so people don't think it's my stupidity. Right? That's the heart of the issue. Um, but Peter is not concerned about public approval. Peter is concerned about God's approval. And that's the difference in the method. Okay? The heartbeat is the same. The, 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 the desire, let's silence the ignorance of the foolish. Yeah, your God, God's will, my will, same thing. But the, the method is different because while we're concerned about public approval, Peter's concerned about God's approval. And therefore, he says this in verses 19 and 20 of 1 Peter 2. It brings favor if, because of your consciousness of God, someone endures grief and suffering unjustly. You receive favor from God when you suffer grief and unjustly. For what credit is there if you do wrong and are beaten but it, and you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, it brings favor with God. If you continue doing good, you always do good, and you suffer for it because of the foolishness of another person... He says, although you may lose some of your public approval ratings because their foolishness reflects negatively on you, in fact, if you press into and continue to do good, you receive favor and approval by God himself. Okay? You receive approval, favor from God himself. I've, I've hit on this before, um, but we're going to hit on it again because... We're really slow to learn, and maybe you weren't with us last time we hit on this. So it's time for me to put my stool up. Um, in every relationship, there's roles. Every relationship has roles, okay? Um, remember, we just hit on what Peter talked about. Three categories of people, whether it's a citizen governing authority, whether it's a, a, a slave or master uh, boss, employee, maybe a better application for us at this point. Uh, or maybe it's a husband and wife. Okay? So you've got, just for giggles this morning, I'm going to write husband and wife. But you can insert employee, boss, citizen, governing, um, because all of those are equally talked about in this text. In every relationship, there's roles. Um, and sometimes I refer to these uh, roles as lanes, right? You stay in your role, stay in your lane, okay? Stay in your role, stay in your lane. Um, when each of us stays in our role, one thing happens. Not only do you fulfill your role, but you enable others to fulfill their role more completely as well. Okay, so as an employee... If you do what you've been hired to do, then it enables your boss 
to do what he's been hired to do. And if you do your job well, it's going to cause him to be, it's going to enable him to do his job better. Same true for a husband and a wife. If you stay in your role, you're going to enable the other ones to stay in and complete their role more fully as well. Okay? So that's easy to grasp. Uh, yet, as here's the, the struggle we find is we perceive that the other person is not fulfilling their role and it causes a negative impact on my life, right? So as the, as the wife, it, it always goes wife, husband, never goes husband. As the wife perceives that her husband is not fulfilling his role in the marriage, she perceives that it, 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 and it begins to negatively impact her, the natural thing that happens uh, is we compensate by telling them, pointing out their flaws. Uh, maybe you have one of those marriages where you do smack them in the back of the head. I don't suggest that. Um, and typically when they don't hear their flaws immediately, you tell them louder so they do hear it. Uh, more immediately. Um, but we compensate by filling in the gaps that they leave. And here's what happens. You can't fill in the gaps that they... If you, as a wife, perceive your husband not to fulfill his role very well, and, and you want to compensate for his flaws, you have to get out of your lane, get in his lane, and begin to compensate for his flaws. Now what happens when you get out of your role and into his role is you fail to fulfill your own role, leaving your own gaps, right? So that's what happens. And when you fail to fulfill your own role, now you've cut the legs out from underneath him. Yeah, we know he was an idiot to begin with. That's why you had to compensate for his flaws. But you actually cut your own legs out from underneath you when you decide, I'm going to compensate for his shortcomings by fulfilling his role, now you're not only failing at your own role, but you're going to cause him to suffer at his role should he decide to wake up and be a man. He can't be a man. Why? Because you've stepped into his role. Same thing goes for bosses, employees, citizens, rulers, all these things. This is what we do when we perceive that... Uh, that someone else's actions are negatively impacting me. We believe that our reaction to the foolishness of others, here's why we do it. We believe that my reaction, my compensation to the foolishness of others can minimize the negative impact on my own life. Like if I jump in when the other one's fool and it's negatively impacting me, I can minimize that impact by jumping in, right? That's what we think. That's what we think. We want to minimize that. Um, when actually our overreaction destroys the relationship and causes both parties to fail. It's counterproductive. We believe inherently, let's minimize the impact, when in all actuality, you create this cycle that both of you are going to completely fail. The whole relationship is going to fail. 
Why? Because neither one of you is functioning in your role. Both of you are swapping lanes and you're stepping on the toes of the other person. And when you don't stay in your lane, you don't enable the other person to fulfill their role. Yes, they had a momentary lapse of being an idiot and they didn't do what they were there to do. I get that, but they're not going to be able to do it if you don't do what you're there to do. So you think by compensating, you're going to minimize the impact when in all actuality, you're going to make the impact worse by stepping into their role, okay? Counterproductive. Instead of ranting <laughs> about their foolishness and overcompensating for it, we do good by keeping our mouth closed and ourself in our lane. Okay, just shut up. Do what you're there to do. If you're an employee, just close your mouth and get back to work. Right? Don't overcompensate for your boss's flaws. Just get back to work. Best thing you can do is get back to work. If you're a wife and your husband's a goober, just get back to being a wife and fulfilling your role. That's the best thing you can do. Right? If you're a citizen of a town where you're your mayor or you disagree with what the governor's doing because of COVID, the best thing you can do is get back to being a productive citizen instead of ranting and raving about his failures and flaws. Because if you want to spend all your time ranting and raving about his flaws, you know what? You're not fulfilling your role as a citizen. When you're not fulfilling your role as a citizen, he can't fulfill his role as a governor. It takes both. It's a, it's a relationship that functions together. Just keep your mouth closed and stay in your lane. This is the instruction that Peter gave as he reflected on the final hours of Jesus' life. You're asking yourself, what the heck does this have to do with Luke 23? Here's what it has to do with Luke 23. This is what Peter told you, shut your mouth and get back to work, when he reflected on the final hours of Jesus' life from Luke 23, but his, his commentary was this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, you were called to this. This is the good that you can do. You're called to this. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He didn't commit sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he didn't insult in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. What did Jesus do when other people's foolishness began to negatively impact his life in the final hours of his life? He shut his mouth and fulfilled his role. When he suffered because of somebody else's foolishness, he did not retaliate. He didn't tell them about their being an idiot. He didn't smack them on the back of the head. And actually, Peter tried to smack them on the back of the head by cutting off some ears. And Jesus like, hey, hold up. Like, we don't do that. Let me put your ear back on. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see that. Most people, most people consider this approach to be passive. And we're going to get to this, right? Let's, let's get to honest assessment of, of, of what Peter's teaching here. Most of us consider this to be passive, setting yourself up as a doormat. Okay? Like, when somebody else's foolishness is negatively impacting your daily life, Peter says, Jesus gave an example. We shut our mouth and we fulfill our role, continue to do good, entrusting ourselves to the one who judges justly. Who is that? That's our Heavenly Father. Just keep doing good, keep doing good, keep fulfilling your role, stay in your lane, 
Entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. I've heard from wives my whole ministry. When, when, when we're sitting in counseling and they're looking across the table at their husband and they're telling me how big of an idiot they've married. Like if I do that, he's going to run over me. Like, if I just continue to serve, if I could just continue to love and encourage him and fulfill my role as a wife, you don't know how big of an idiot I married. I'm going to be a doormat in this marriage. You know what that's going to look like for me? Yeah, I, possibly. Yeah, I get that. You know who I work for? You know what big of a doofus my boss is? He doesn't even have a clue what's going on. If I just continue to get up every morning and go to work, you know, I'm, I'm going to be short on my pay. It's, it's just going to be awful. You just want me to shut my mouth and go to work and do good every day and trust that God's over it? I can't be that passive. I can't be a doormat. You know what that's going to do to me? That's our honest reaction to that, right? That's our honest reaction. Jesus doesn't see this as passive. He sees this as entrusting yourself to the one who judges justly. This is the least passive thing you can do is to entrust your life, your role, your position, not to your own response, but to God himself. I'm going to have enough faith to stay in my lane, fulfill my role, shut my mouth, and do the good that he's called me to do. It's going to take more faith to do that than it will to tell them their failure, smack them in the back of the head, and when they don't listen, tell them louder. This takes no faith. This takes all flesh but to entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. Jesus doesn't see it as passive. In Luke 23, as Jesus stood in front of Pilate, here, look at this text with me. It's, there's, I'm going to pull out four different things. In Luke 23, Jesus stands in front of Pilate. Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent. Like all the religious leaders brought Jesus in front of Pilate. Pilate's the, the governing authority of the land. And Jesus is standing trial in front of Pilate. And it says that the, the religious guys who brought him there, they began to accuse Jesus. Like they're telling Pilate all about the things that Jesus is doing and why Jesus needs to be wiped out and killed. And they accuse, they accuse, they accuse, they accuse. We know it's false accusations because if we go back and read the text, the things that they're accusing him of are direct lies. They're accusing Jesus. They continue to accuse him. And it says in the next verse, they kept insisting. They're telling, they're telling, they're telling. And when they think Pilate's not listening. They tell him louder. They tell him louder. They kept insisting. And then the, the text in, in, in Luke 23 shifts, and now Jesus stands in front of Herod. Pilate's like, I think the dude's innocent. Whoa, he's from that area. Well, no, 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 no. He needs to see Herod instead of me. I don't want to be responsible for this. Let me stick him in front of Herod. Herod will be responsible for this. So he sends them to Herod, who's, who's now Jesus stands trial in front of Herod. 
And, and all the religious guys, they follow, they scurry down to Herod's house, and they want to continue to be there. And it says that they not only accuse him, not only keep insisting, but now they were vehemently accusing him. Their accusations became more intense. Vehemently accusing Jesus. In case you didn't hear me, here's why we need to kill him. Like it's getting intense. It's not just, hey, we're going to tell them. Now we're going to tell them louder. And then it says they kept up the pressure before Herod. Isaiah 53 says this. It says, Jesus was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he didn't open his mouth. He didn't open his mouth. He entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. We can fight against the teaching if we want to, because I know you are. Like all of us are. Because this is one of the most counterintuitive teachings that the gospel gives us. Like when somebody else is being an idiot, and that's negatively impacting your life, stay in your lane. Fulfill your role. Shut your mouth. Continue to do the good that you were put there to do. Yeah, but what? What about? I'm going to be a doormat. No, you're going to entrust yourself to the one who judges justly. You, you, it's not passive. It's an act of faith. This is where your faith engages. This is where it takes hold. We can fight against it if we want, but here's what I want you to consider as we shut this down. Consider this before you dismiss it. If Jesus does not silently entrust himself to the Father, sure, there's no crucifixion. Like he could have walked out of that, right? He could have justified himself before Pilate or Herod and immediately walked out of the whole situation. He could have told them the truth. Yeah, there would have been no crucifixion, but there would have been no resurrection. Okay? He could have avoided the crucifixion. He could have avoided the negative impact, the suffering on his life. Yeah, he could have. By stepping out of his lane, and compensating for the idiots who were pressuring. He could have. But if there's no crucifixion, there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, there's no Savior. And if there's no Savior, there's no hope. If Jesus doesn't fulfill his role, then you aren't enabled to fill your role. He's like, I'm, I'm out. Well, if he's out, you're out. Okay? Maybe you can minimize the negative influence of those around you who lack understanding. Maybe you can minimize immediate influence by jumping out of your lane and compensating for their failures and their flaws. Maybe you can, but what resurrection are you going to miss out on? You want to temporarily relieve the pressure, temporarily relieve the suffering, the 
but there's a resurrection power when you trust yourself to the one who judges justly. In your weakness, you give him power and authority and strength. And, and in your weakness, you entrust your life to him and say, there's, there's, there's fools who encompass me. They encircle me. It's like dogs who are attacking me, but I am yours. I will not open my mouth. I will not uh, retaliate. I will not get out of my lane. I'll continue to do good. I'll continue to follow you even though they are circling going to trust you, stay in my lane, stay in my role, and continue to do what you've asked me to do. I'm not going to overcompensate and destroy the whole thing. Even if it's temporary suffering, there's an eternal resurrection power that's coming. And if I minimize the impact today, I may miss the resurrection tomorrow. When God restores everything, when he uh, puts his hand on everything, when his healing comes over everything. I, I just wonder what display of all of that we're going to fail to miss because we wanted to alleviate our discomfort in the temporary. If you choose to like dismiss this teaching, you may never know the resurrection power that you're going to miss. You may never know. Right? You may never know how God wanted to redeem your marriage. To restore it. To breathe life into it. You may never know. You may never know what God wanted to do with your career as you worked for that guy that just didn't understand. You may never know. First Peter 2.24, I'm going to end by reading this. He himself bore our sins in his body on a tree so that having died to sins, I might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. You are like sheep going astray. But now we have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of our soul. His resurrection brings healing, brings hope, and brings power. You might be able to minimize the negative impact others are having on you today, but before you escape the suffering, let me encourage you that in escaping the suffering, you may miss out on the resurrection. There's power that awaits if we entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. Jesus saw the big picture, saw the whole thing. Therefore, he chose to endure the cross so that he could be the first of the resurrection and that you and I may be the last of the resurrection. He's just number one. The promise is that when he returns, we will be resurrected with him. And that would never happen if he'd have escaped 
the temporary suffering. Trust yourself to the one who judges justly. Stay in your lane, close our mouth, and do the good that he's put there to do. We enable others to stay in their lane, to stay in their roles, and to excel in their roles when we do that. I'm going to pray for us. These guys are going to lead us in worship as we just kind of let that settle and let God speak to our hearts as we close our time out this morning. Father, we thank you that Jesus, and he was surrounded by people who just did not see the big picture. They just did not understand what you were doing in this world.